0: Welcome to Normal for Norway. I'm Indigo. And I'm Seamus.
1: This is the podcast where each week-ish, we dissect one weird thing about Norway.
0: So sit back, relax,
1: and crack open a $10 beer.
0: No! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, first of all, cheers. We have somehow managed to evade the Norwegian government's wishes and we have actually bought some alcohol and we are now drinking it. Oh, it's so good. So that's celebrate, like calls for celebration in and of itself.
1: Yeah. Drinking at 7.20 in the evening.
0: But this week we're talking about the wine monopoly or in Norwegian.
1: Vienmonopole.
0: Or as I like to call it. The dreaded wine monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> I was writing to my colleagues the other day about Vine Waterpola, and I just always would write the dreaded wine monopoly. And eventually my colleague was like, why do you keep calling it the dreaded wine monopoly? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> why wouldn't I call it that?
1: Your phone is going to learn like the
0: autocorrect thing where <laughs> yeah, it just exactly. like adds up. Did you mean the dreaded wine monopoly? <laughs> yes, I did.
1: Um. So our fans have been clamoring for another episode, obviously. I know.
0: And it's been a busy week. We're moving house, Indigo and I are officially becoming neighbors, which is... I
1: thought you were going to say, like, we're moving it together. We're moving it. Finally. We're kicking <laughs> yeah. out Alex and Sigurd. They don't know yet.
0: No, we're moving neighbors, and there's been a lot of, like, toing and froing, and, like, moving boxes and eating pizza on the floor, so terribly sorry. We have received all of your hate mail and death threats, <laughs> and we're hoping that they will subside a bit now that we're about to launch this podcast.
1: Yeah, and this is probably going to be a double episode, so you all just need to chill.
0: Yeah, there's um, a lot to unpack.
1: <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. Uh, before we get to that, though, we have a couple of orders Point- of business.
0: <laughs> Points of business. Yeah.
1: First of all, we have a disclaimer. We have been advised by our la- our lawyer, my mother, Christine Traig, Uh who's not actually a lawyer, I should clarify, but is... <laughs> is um, qualified to represent people in court in the U.S. in certain cases. So good enough. We, we can't afford a real lawyer. Uh, we've been advised by our lawyer to clarify that I, Indigo, was never deported from Norway. It was a voluntary removal. Additionally, all statements on the Normal for Norway podcast are intended as humor and should not be taken as statements of fact or criticism of the Kingdom of Norway, the Wine Monopoly, the Norwegian Archipelago of Svalbard, or any other affiliated territories and residents
0: therein. Or the monarchy. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Nice. Also, we have another order of business, which is we have received some feedback that we swear a bit too much. We appreciate this feedback. We take the on board and, and in the middle of the we'll do our best to swear a little less in future. Thank you. <laughs> okay. What is the wine monopoly?
1: Yeah. Um, what is the wine monopoly? What is it? It's everything. <laughs> but it's also nothing. Yeah. I think this is one of the things that people find the hardest to get used to when they move to Norway. Hmm. Because it's such a shift from most people's home, like, home home country situation. And I remember when you first moved here, um, you had this thing of, like, demanding that I text you when the wine monopoly was going to close because you never knew when it was going to close. And you'd always be like, why didn't you tell me that the wine monopoly was closing? And you would get really upset. And I was like, I understand why, because I still don't know sometimes. And we all have this moment of like panic where you're like, do I have enough time? Is 10 minutes enough time for me to run over there? Do I look like a crazy person?
0: People who don't know what the wine monopoly now are like, what is this?
1: Yeah, sorry. So So,
0: it's basically... There's one shop in all of Norway where you can buy alcohol over, is it 4.5%? I think it's 4.7. 4.7%. 4. Um, so in the supermarket and in normal corner shops and stuff, you can buy beer. That's up to 4.7%. But everything else like vodka, wine, absinthe, <laughs> all your <laughs> weekly staples. Um, <laughs> you need to go to the Wien Monopola, which translates to the wine monopoly which is a government-run shop. Uh, It's basically the only shop that's allowed to sell alcohol over that percentage.
1: Yes. And crucially, and again, probably the thing that people find the hardest to deal with uh, is the opening hours. Yes. Which I'm actually not even... I don't even know them off the top of my head, so I'm looking them up right now. Yeah, so Monday to Friday, it's open from 10 to 6 and actually I'm on the Vimonopuro website and they, they show you how busy it is. And it's really funny because like Monday and Tuesday and then the first part of Wednesday, it's really quiet, it says. And then on Thursday, it's yellow, it's getting busier. And then Friday, it's just like red, Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is true. And especially now during Corona times, um, all our, our bars are closed right now in Oslo mm. and they've been closed for what, six months now? Yeah, So, I mean, alcohol consumption overall, I don't think has gone up. Actually, I think it's gone down during the pandemic, I yeah. believe, the statistics show, but the v has been way busier because we can't buy, we can't go to any bars. Yeah, yeah. So Actually,
0: that's such a good, there's a conspiracy theory in the making here.
1: Yeah, so, you're but, not the first person to no say so. Not only
0: are the government trying to inject us with 5G microchips, but they're also <laughs> trying to make extra money via the wine monopoly. Because Disclaimer,
1: we do not believe... <laughs> that the government is injecting us with 5G microchips. And if they are, where's my microchip? Because I still don't have a vaccine. Yeah, I want that
0: microchip, in fairness.
1: But, um, yeah, so it's only open Monday to Friday, 10 to 6. And then on Saturdays, it's open from 10 to 4. It used to be 10 to 3 until the Conservative Party this year got some change through, and now it's open an extra hour.
0: Which is fabulous, in fairness.
1: It is fabulous, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, it's not open on Sunday. What are you, some kind of heathen? So not open on Sunday, not open on religious holidays. And there's also limited hours, like the day before a lot of religious holidays
0: during Easter, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's like basically like a Saturday opening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's really annoying. But also I think as well, there's like every time I go, because I'm always the person that doesn't plan. Every time I go, there's a queue. I've never just walked, just wandered into a wine monopoly, you know, like, just off the street. It's always to queue. But that's
1: such a pandemic yeah, issue of as well. And it's
0: also because they can only have a certain amount of people in the shop, Right.
1: But I mean, because I almost never queued at the Wine Monopoly yeah. before the pandemic. Like, I can't even remember. I actually
0: never went to the Wine Monopoly before the pandemic, and I vowed. I remember. You vowed? <laughs> I vowed. I took an oath in front of the King of Norway. <laughs> <laughs> I did a what was it called an ordeal of fire (laughs) to prove now that I would I didn't I hated the idea of the wine Monopoly when I first came to Norway I was just so against it and when I first came it obviously wasn't the pandemic and I had loads of like visitors coming so I arrived like in February it was like my friend came with me we both maxed out our duty free allowance my parents then came for my birthday my brother came and so on and so on and so on so I had this like stockpile and obviously like with you know Alex being... Alex's parents being, like, from Switzerland. Me, us, me being, like, from Ireland and so on. We would do a lot of travelling. So I kind of said to myself, I was like, I never want to buy a drop of alcohol in the wine monopoly just because I'm so, like, against it.
1: You cursed us.
0: But I... I'm learning and I'm growing. We're going to learn on this episode I'm not so against the wine monopoly anymore. But I literally remember saying that at work and me saying, like, over lunch, oh, um... I... I never really... I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to buy I'm my monopoly. <laughs> I'm like, how do you, Is she giving me, like, the dirtiest look and being like, what? Like, what's wrong with my monopoly? I was like, everything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah. So maybe... Do you want to go into a little bit into the... Um, you had some really interesting points about the shops yeah, and where well, they're so placed. So I've got, like, a fact sheet. Okay, yeah. so
0: it actually... I've got a bone to pick with the wine monopoly. They have not published their twenty twenty, like yearly report. Oh, you know, I
1: I haven't finished the annual report for my work either for twenty twenty. So I feel like <laughs> maybe that's a Norwegian thing. I We're feel like have an really hot Episode on shameful.
0: Norwegian work culture. <laughs> I can I like, into that? Um, but okay, so la so they have three hundred thirty four shops r- nationwide. Mm. Uh, so that's the only places that people can buy wine or beer um they sold last year 82.6 million liters of pure alcohol idiom alcohol um they did 2.5 million id checks barely i get id'd in there actually it's funny when i go in the do you find this oh you're young but like when i go in i got like my mat in the winter i was like got my mask on got my like hat on and they're like Uh, do you have, like, ID? And just, like, pull down my mask. And they're like, oh, God, he's Haggard. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, he doesn't need any, um, he doesn't need ID. And then they also have 1,800 staff. 66% women, 34% men. That is, in fairness, a point for the wine monopoly. Mm. Well, they probably could be a little bit more balanced, but still. Their run, the overall, like, leader is a woman, actually. The CEO or whatever.
1: Oh, interesting. Hmm.
0: Elizabeth. Hunter. Oh. Suspiciously non Norwegian name.
1: Love that name. Yeah. She sounds like a Bond villain or something.
0: But yeah, so basically, yeah, these are the only shops that you can get. There's 234 of them nationwide, but that means a lot of places just don't have one. Why am I not pretty really near them? So, like, I'm pretty sure uh, now it's a little bit better. Most obviously major towns and stuff will have one, but for example, like, pretty big city, Boulder mm. up north. I remember hearing that, like, they only got their wine monopoly, like, in the 80s or something. So before then, people had to, dr- like, I don't know, drive to Tromsø or something to, like, get their alcohol. I
1: mean, to be fair, though, when you talk about a big city for Norway, Bulda's population is not even 50,000 people. And... Oh, I'm
0: sorry that a town of 50,000 people doesn't deserve no, a wine shop! I'm
1: just, I'm just saying you're like, oh, it's a big city. It's like, okay, well...
0: Well, I mean, come on, I... A, a tiny village of 500 people should have a shop that you yeah,
1: can buy wine. No, totally. And actually, this ties into something that I was hearing from some Norwegians yesterday, which was that there, until recently, were a lot of towns where, and I'm sure there still are some, but like many towns where there was no wine monopoly and you had to order the alcohol. And because people sometimes were quite puritanical in these towns, they could just refuse to order it for you. Like you could go to the whatever, st- I guess it was the shop that would order it, I don't know. Oh. And they would just be like, no. I will not order alcohol for you, and this then ties into why maybe why why people... there's a
0: lot of murders in <laughs> Norway.
1: <laughs> uh, well, maybe that too. No, I was gonna say because why people then brew their own beer and yeah, okay. moonshine, which is actually illegal, but there's a big tradition for home brewing in Norway. So I'm wondering if it's a little bit of that as well. But people actually could. Just be like, no, I'm not going to buy you alcohol. I'm not going to order you alcohol that yeah, you can buy. Yeah. So. But
0: now you can you can actually get it delivered. Like, Wine Monopoly will send you alcohol yeah. to your house. Yeah. But the messed up thing is... And in fairness, I was actually thinking about this as well. It's important to point out that, like, we need to have, like, a separation of, like... Because, okay, Wine Monopoly is one thing. It's a government-run alcohol shop. But its opening hours and, and those kinds of things are kind of separate. It's like... You could have a wine monopoly that opens until nine, but right. we just don't. So it's like the fact that it's owned by the government actually isn't the worst thing about it. Like I don't, I don't care. I mean, yeah, whatever. It's it's in, investing the profits like back into uh, apparently like alcohol, like outreach programs and stuff. It invests its profits back into. But anyway, that's kind of a sidebar. But uh, yeah, you you can get a delivery. But I was talking to my friend who is like from the countryside, he was like. Oh yeah, like one time my dad ordered a load of alcohol from Wien Monopola, maybe for like a a dinner party or something. It arrived in the post office uh, on the Saturday. He went down to the post office, or like he was going about his business. He went down (laughs) to the post office. It was like 4 or 5 p.m. No, maybe it was 4 p.m. Let's say this is before the opening hours went to 3 p.m. And the man in the post office was like, no, 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 you can't collect this. Because you have to collect your wine monopoly order within the opening hours of the wine monopoly, even though it's sitting in the post office. Right. Which is maddening. Yeah, that is maddening. That's wild. Another rural murder. (laughs) This (laughs) this is where Nordic noir came from. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I also saw some interesting facts that you put in here, though, about... Uh, locations in Oslo yeah. because you actually looked up you've had this this bone to pick for a while. And I did the data
0: analysis today. Yeah. I did it. Tell us what you found. Okay, so
1: it's dramatic. Mm. I think this is like this could be an article. No, it could actually. It could. If Are
0: you listening,
1: Narcoa Vega Alphaulsen? Are you listening? We know a lot of people who work in the media.
0: Yeah. So okay. y'all need to write about this. So in fairness this was quite um hacky because I had to just look at so Oslo is split up into Bdale which is like borough. Yeah. In London we have like or like they have boroughs. In Oslo they have B which is like oh we live in Gomla, Oslo, which is like old Oslo. Then there's like Frongno, which is like the Posh area. So on. And then I, I had to kind of like cross reference the map with where are the wine monopolies because it was kind of like hard to figure out but I'm pretty sure I got it correct. So Frongno. Probably the poshest there in all of Norway. Yeah, it's uh, that's like where the palace, like the king's palace and stuff, is, right?
1: Um, I don't know if it technically is actually, actually but it's on that side. I yeah. mean, that's on. It's on that side of.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's where all the pashas live. They speak a very specific way. There's a lot of
1: embassies there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Population is fifty nine thousand, and they have four Vemnepoller. What's the plural of Vemnepoller?
1: Yeah, I think that was right. We want to pull
0: pull it. it. If anyone wants, write us in. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, And so therefore making them have one Y Monopoly per 14.75 thousand people. Mm. Right. Mm. Where we live in the east of Oslo, which is, I suppose, traditionally more like working class, more immigrant population, but the same population, basically. So we have fifty-eight. So Frågan has fifty-nine thousand people. We have fifty-eight thousand people. How many wine monopolies do we have? One. Yeah. One wine monopoly, which means we have. They have fourteen point seven five thousand people per wine monopoly. We have uh, fifty-eight thousand people per wine monopoly, and we wonder why there's queues. And not yeah. only that, I also looked up the the selection because I found that Grånland one to be really small, and you can search on their website like what alcoholic drinks are available by shop. And so I got up the list. And it was... Our one is, like, the lowest in in all of us. So pretty much every single one of those four ones in Phong or had a higher selection than us.
1: Yeah, like you pointed out that Marushun, which is, yeah, super posh, has 2,186 products, whereas Gronlan has 1,359. Now, yeah. I have two points to this. The first thing is... This is just a pro tip for everyone who lives in Norway. You can order products to other locations and pick them up, which is really nice. So, like, I've ordered things that are kind of, whatever, unusual. And I just don't feel like going to the back and beyond of some random place in Oslo. And then it comes to the place near me. And then I just go and I tell them to pick it up. So, that's great. But the other thing I was going to say was... I think that there should be more options on this side of Oslo. However i'm not that surprised because there are a lot of muslims in this area um there's probably a much higher proportion of the population that doesn't really drink Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on the flip side there are also to be blunt a lot of alcoholics in this area because that's it's kind of like you said been traditionally working class if not very poor area of Oslo. Mm. So in a way I'm then also a bit surprised and I wonder if it's almost a strategy by the government to not give them more options, but then that doesn't really make sense either. Yeah. Um so I don't know, I was kind of mulling this over today when I saw those numbers and yeah, I think it's a bit strange. But honestly, I haven't I also haven't looked at the actual statistics for example if there is anybody if people have self-reported how much they drink in this area or yeah, you know, right. I, I don't yeah, I don't yeah. actually know.
0: Uh, I kind of, I, my... Like, but now
1: that you've moved here, I'm sure we can bring those numbers up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of just suspicious. Like, you know the way Amazon was getting was in those trouble because people did like demographic data uh, studies into, okay, where do, in the US, like where do they offer their most premium services? Like same day delivery, yeah. uh, Amazon Fresh, like grocery stuff, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they found that it was like, Pretty much very clearly white areas that they were targeting. And then they were not offering these same services to like less white areas. Which I mean, probably they were just using I don't know, machine learning and stuff that was like, okay, where do rich people live and da da da. But then this is like ties into that whole thing of like, well, it's kind of scary that like these algorithms are sort of like deciding where I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know if wine monopolies is an algorithm to decide where its shops are. It might.
1: No, but I think that's a good point and it's also kind of like you're not giving more choice and convenience to people living on this side of Oslo, which we know is the poorer and more immigrant side of Oslo. So it, I do think it is problematic yeah and I, I don't know I don't know if they're using data, but very interesting they probably stuff. are actually
0: I mean it's it can't be it can't be a. Coincidence that the richest Bdale in Oslo has four times more no. monopolies per capita than the poor. Like, I'm not that like where we live is the poorest one, but like I think when I, I did a quick check and every B-dale had at least one. Right. And I think Gomla Oshlo and Frommner have like the highest population as right. B Dales. So it's like basically gomla Oshlo has the lowest V monopoly yeah. per capita.
1: But it's also kind of interesting that and then we can put the stress that the mission of the wine monopoly includes the fact that they're not trying to promote drinking. They're actually yeah. trying to... A lot of their marketing is about not drinking. They offer a lot of, like, non-alcohol-free like uh, alcohol-free alternatives, yeah. and they talk a lot about that. And they are obviously, they don't want people to drink too much, and that's part of their mission. Hmm. What's interesting is then, okay, so if there is more demand in Frognage are you then giving people more options? Is that right? Like, is that following your mission? If you're giving people more options, do you see what I'm saying? Is it more convenient so then they're gonna drink more? Is that right? Does that follow their mission?
0: Well, in fairness, I was talking to Sigurd, your Mm. husband, on the drive here.
1: He refuses to be on the
0: podcast. Yeah, we invited him on as a guest to get his philosophical insights. Next, we're gonna start talking a little bit about, does it work? And we wanted to talk a bit about like, well, should it work and so on. But he um, he refused. He politely declined.
1: He said, "Give me ten thousand kroner, and maybe I'll come on. That's my speaking <laughs> yeah. fee." Yeah. No.
0: Um, but he was saying so, like the V monopola, like the Norwegian one, because this is not unique to Norway. Sweden has one. Finland has one. Denmark doesn't. Right. Uh, Iceland, I don't know actually. Uh, they do. They do. They do. They do. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically all the Nordics except for Denmark have one. Um. But he was saying, actually, v Pola's mission isn't only to reduce consumption. It's also to promote, like, quality drinking amongst the Norwegian population. So, like, to try and promote, like, nice drinks. That's so
1: elitist.
0: Well, I don't know. I don't know what the specific phrasing was. But, for example, he was saying, like, in Sweden, they're a little bit more moralistic about it. Where it is just literally, like, no, no, no. We exist to, like, stop people from drinking. Yeah. Nothing about, like... Providing people with a good experience. So maybe they're like, oh, well, people in Frongner have enough money to buy the fancy wine, so we're going to give them shops so that we can, like, promote quality drinking or whatever. Hmm. Um, And then also a little, a few more facts and figures for those of us who are interested. Um, This is, like, a breakdown. I'm going to need your help with translating here. Mm. So this is a breakdown of a bottle of wine, 13% alcohol, 0.75 litres. So normal bottle the price of the customer is 150 kroner that's about 15 euro um grossest netto price is 54 kroner so is that like the kind of the cost that they pay to the supplier oh i do not know i think it is i think i googled this before so like they paid a 500 then Mm. your alcohol of gift is 46 kroner so that's like your um tax, right? tax. Yeah. but then what is matter
1: i don't know i'm sure all the norwegians are gonna be like screaming at us <laughs> they
0: all like know it to the to the scent like oh it's about...
1: vat it's value added. Yeah, tax yeah okay so okay.
0: basically at the end of the day you paid uh 51 of the price of the bottle goes to the government yeah that's right. So of your of your 15 euro, 7 euros 50 goes to the government, 7 euros 50, some of it is like, oh, V Monopola takes their like two euro cut, one year or like 10 cent goes to like the environment, and then the rest is like <laughs> <laughs> Mother Nature takes her cut. <laughs> and then the rest is like, yeah, these fees and stuff. Yeah. Which is pretty high. I mean, half the cost of your bottle of wine is going to the government. But also, it's worse for spirits. So, like, 75% goes Oof. to... Or 73% goes to the government mm. for spirits. Um, which kind of makes sense, I suppose. If the mission is to reduce drinking, it's probably easier to drink spirits, right, than to drink um, wine. But people are probably asking, how did this happen?
1: How did this happen? <laughs> so, should I take us through the history? Yes, please. being And I just want to say, I did much more research this time. So Mm -hmm. I hope that um, my history professors are happier with me if any of them are listening. (laughs) I feel ashamed of my previous showing. So my sources for this section, and I have to say a bit biased, the Vimonopura website. (laughs) 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 And you're gonna see like, it's clearly a bit biased, and then also though Sture norske lexikon, which I can really recommend. Oh, that's like
0: the Oxford English Dictionary of Norway, right? Yeah, kind of. Or the, the Mar- other Mar-
1: SNL. The, the what? The other SNL, like instead of Saturday oh, Night Live. Right, yeah, yeah. Sigurd has actually written for SN- Sture norske lexikon. Really? And
0: but you, got, well, in America do you guys use? The Merriam Webster is that your Oxford English
1: Dictionary? Uh, yes, but the SNL is more like Wikipedia. It's like a Wikipedia that was paid for by the Norwegian state. Oh. Yeah, so it's great. Really nice encyclopedia. But
0: actually, so you know what's better? Well, no. So I feel like the SNL, so there's like the OED, Oxford English Dictionary of Norway. I have come across that sometimes when I've been Googling words that I don't know. Mm. But... A lot of times you can just write those words into Google Translate and it gives you something. Of course, if you want, like, much more detailed... Oh, but this gives actually information. Yeah, it yeah, does. yeah, yeah. But also we have, like, this old red dictionary in our house, like a really old oh. Norwegian to English dictionary, and I find that really good. But a lot of words, like slang, like young person slang words, I don't find on there. Oh. And so when I Google them, I often end up on this website called om.no, which is, like, <laughs> Well, that mean, just means like young.no, right? Yeah, yeah. And so like, for example, like a while ago, I was like, I didn't know what the word "keen" meant. <laughs> I like saw this on a show and it was like, this girl screamed like, I've never, in Norwegian, I've like, never keen," And I was like, what is that verb clean? so like, I put it into uh, Google translate, nothing. I was like, what <laughs> the hell? I looked up the red old dusty dictionary in our house. It's like from the 1950s and it had something, it had an entry in there that it called it necking. Oh! And I was like, I don't really know what necking is. It's kind of ringing about <laughs> somewhere in the back of my dusty mind, but like, I'm not sure. <laughs> so then I just Googled it and I came onto om.mo and I found this like 13 year old girl. Yeah. It was like a website where like young people find out about like, um, just like things about like growing up and like, anyway, cleaner means like making out. And so the question was like, Actually, in fairness, the question was even more advanced than what my level was, because it was, how do I make it? Whereas <laughs> mine was just like, what is making it? I was like, they need to dumb down ung.no a bit. For, for like... all the foreigners. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so cute. So, yeah,
1: thanks to uh, SNL and VimonoPoto website for helping me with this. Please sponsor us. So, in... The 1800s, this is a direct quote from Vimalapura. There was a big problem with alcohol in yeah. Norway, according to right. Um, It was very, very liberal. Um, there was a lot of production of spirits and so on. And they estimate that the top, the kind of peak of this was 1830 to 1840 when every adult citizen were. I guess, person living in Norway was drinking about 13 liters of pure alcohol per year in the form of spirits. Sorry. I mean,
0: okay, we're going to get on to this yeah. bit later, but that's current Irish.
1: Which of- is, yeah, which was really funny. And then the current Norwegian is seven. seven. But so, I mean, this this already is kind of interesting that it has sunk so much. Yeah, yeah. But moving on. Uh, then there was prohibition, just like a lot of places in the world. And I want to take a little sidebar here to talk about prohibition. I have to be honest. I didn't look at prohibition in Norway specifically, but I do know in general, and I think I've heard Sigurd talk about this, but since he won't join us on the podcast, I guess we'll never know. I do know that in general, the prohibition movements around the world, um, are often associated with temperance and religious movements, but it was also often feminists yes who were anti-alcohol yes and it's very interesting because a lot of them were basically these women who were housewives and or you know maybe they're working part-time but their husbands were drinking a lot were spending all of their money or their extra income on alcohol and often were beating them beating their children and these women kind of wanted to take more control of their Mm. domestic lives and they advocated for prohibition right so and also sigurd told me and i didn't do the proper research on this but i believe that the workers party was really um advocating for prohibition because a lot of workers were drinking too much and it was really negative for their for their lives
0: yeah and i mean this kind of ties into like the deeper point though right it's like were like is the way to tackle that really to just ban the alcohol or like, you know, it's like, were their life, their lives must've just been miserable yeah. in so many other ways that like, that's why they felt that they just needed to be drunk the whole time.
1: Of course. And I mean, I think that now, you know, um, a hundred years later since prohibition, clearly we can find other solutions for this. At the same time, I do understand that, you know, if you're a woman who's living at home and your husband goes out and drinks and then comes back and beats you, it's like, yeah. of course, you're going to think, okay, well, what am I going to do? Maybe there's some hope in this. So anyway, I just want to put that a little bit in context because I think a lot of times people say, oh, it's just people who are really religious or uptight or whatever. But there was a bit more context to it than Mm. that. Um, And so in uh, 1921, that was when prohibition was actually um, brought into Norway. And 61.6% of people voted yes to this. And apparently, a lot of the countries where uh, wine was being imported from were really not happy about this, and so they actually um, protested by trying to affect the import of klipfisk, which is a fish uh, export from Norway. Uh, so they sort of said, "Well, if you're not going to take our wine, then we're not going to oh, take it was your it klipfisk." In France
0: and Italy.
1: Presumably, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I didn't listen to this entire episode, but actually, Vilmundur has their own podcast, and they <laughs> yeah. have. They have an entire um, episode about that. So if anyone wants to listen to that, then uh, you should go ahead. And the podcast is called, let me just see here.
0: I mean, uh, in the link, it just says Vimonopola's podcast.
1: It's probably just called that. It's as boring as Vimonopola itself. So, (laughs) yeah, you you left some really, oh, yeah, it's literally called Vimonopola's podcast. Amazing. You left some really uh, interesting notes as well, but yeah. So basically, Norway had complete prohibition for three years, so really not that long. Um, And then in 1922, we get the However, when it first started, it wasn't actually owned by the state. It was only a couple years later that the state took over because there were all these issues with corruption and imports and so on and so forth. So
0: wait, who owned it?
1: I'm not even sure. I think it was just like conglomerate of importers or something.
0: But, like, kind of given a stamp of approval by the government. If, I don't know. must have been, right? Because if they banned it... I yeah, I mean,
1: it yeah, it price. must have been something yeah.
0: like that. To be honest, I didn't
1: really do that research. So, yeah. Um As late as the 1990s, though, because, you know, you would think, like, once that happened, okay, everything was fine. But actually, as late as the 1990s, all the wine monopolies were counter service. So you would have to go up to a counter and point at what you wanted or be like, oh, I want that wine. And then they would have to give it to you. So it was very, it's like going to a pharmacy where you actually had to tell them. And I talked to some people yesterday who were like maybe in their thirties and they said they could actually remember being when they were kids, like going in with their parents or whatever. And it was still like that. So this was the case quite late.
0: I mean, I remember being in Sweden when in 2011 and there was a shop like that. Like yeah. one of their system which is like their wine monopoly, had all of the vodka and stuff in a glass case. I think mm-hmm. wine and maybe beer was like you could peruse, but all of the spirits you had to go up and be like, "Hello, I'm a sinner." And <laughs> like a yeah,
1: exactly, of exactly. And um, there were also there were only a hundred and sixteen um Vimunapura in the country like in the 90s and so apparently there was just really long queues Thank at that time much. and the the phrase pool que, which we have been dealing with the last year yeah. was really common like oh i need to go
0: to the Vimunapura and stand in the line interesting yeah because that that's the funny thing it's like nowadays it's so popular like they win like co- company of the yes. year and i was reading that it was like in the 90s actually People wanted to get rid of it. There was yeah, a majority so, that wanted to get rid.
1: Just, yeah, so we'll get to the satisfaction surveys later, but in the nineties, basically people did not did not like <laughs> Vin Monopoly. This is coming from the store in Lexicon, by the way, not the Vin Monopoly oh, website. But yeah, okay. SNL is here with, with the T. So then finally in 1999, they had the the stores that we know today where you take everything yourself, like a normal freaking store. Yeah. There were still some Stores where you had to go and ask for what you wanted, but basically, in the next 20 years, 220 new stores opened, and by 2017 there were 323 stores. So we went from 116 to 323 in a period of 20 years. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and a lot of them were in places, like you said, where there had never even been a Vimonopura
0: before, they never tasted wine before. In their life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They'd only add homebrewed <laughs> beer and and spirits. And now they're yeah, like you said, you can get it in the in the mail. You can, yeah, brought it get it brought to your home. and um a lot of the the product selection as well increased from tw- from two thousand products to twenty thousand products oh. in twenty years. okay. So crazy, fast they growth and around. change. yeah. From the '90s, when people were like, "We hate this. We want to get rid of it," clearly Vimala Porto was like, "Oh, we got to get our shit together." It's kind of like yeah.
0: the Catholic Church, <laughs> you know. It's like now they've got the cool Pope that's like gay people are okay, and they're trying yeah. to like turn things around. Yeah, God, yeah. Can you imagine if, like, in twenty years' time, the Catholic Church is really cool and trendy, and we're going to like <laughs> <laughs> we're going to a club night sponsored by the <laughs> Catholic Church,
1: and they only play Madonna? <laughs> so, in closing. I, you kind of have mentioned this already, but there are other countries that have a similar system and in the Nordic countries specifically. So Finland has alcohol.
0: I love, by the way, that Finland's one is called
1: alcohol. Yeah, it's so literal. It's just Well, because, but in al- England,
0: or like, do you not say like, if, like a colloquial term for an alcoholic is an alcohol? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's an American. That's funny though. Irish thing. Like, oh, you like, oh my God, I'm like. I'm such an Alko. Obviously, it's, like, not very PC, but, like, it's definitely something that's in the, like... The like Finns are class. just honest, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, so Finland opened the Alko in 1932. Then Sweden has Systembolaget, which opened in 1955. Norway's opened, like I said, in 1922. And then Iceland has Vienbudin, which opened in 1961. Hmm. And... I would just add one thing in closing, which is, I think a lot of, for a lot of Americans, this is going to be really a foreign concept, but there are still places in the U.S. where there's a very similar system. I mean, I remember I went to Utah oh, and that's yeah. crazy. And I mean, in Washington, we did just change this recently. I mean, recently, like maybe five, six years ago, but there, there are still states with liquor stores and, and similar systems. So... I mean, overall, I still think it's a lot more liberal, but that also is a reflection of the fact that the U.S. had this prohibition yeah, and yeah. temperance. No, no but point. actually,
0: Utah is more restrictive than here, because we looked this up because we were watching The Real Housewives of Utah. <laughs> Did you, were you watching them? Oh, i mm-hmm. sorry, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah. And they even have laws around, like, you can't serve someone more than one drink at a time so for example i wanted to go to the bar and order like two drinks that wouldn't be allowed there always has to be like water on the table Um, there's all these weird rules about like so the
1: jesus can turn it into wine
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's like there's also (laughs) weird things that like the waiter has to there's like some weird protocol that the waiter has to like ask you something before you're allowed to oh yeah i think and also you have to have it with food and they have a wine monopoly so oh, my gosh. The waiter has to be like, do you really want to sin today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, so, but how much of it was a hangover from, like prohibition Puritanic, protestantism sort of vibes versus
1: i actually again i'm this is very secondhand and i should have done better research but sigurd at least from what sigurd told me it seems like this is very much rooted in the workers movement and the workers party was really strong back then so i wouldn't be surprised if that was like the driving force behind it i don't think it was as much the religious thing although of course norway was a lot more religious then but in the u.s it was It's just very religious, man.
0: Because, like, obviously, I think most countries went through an intense period of, like, insane alcohol consumption in, like, the 1800s. But probably that was tied to the, like, industrialization, people having really terrible quality of life. Mm. Like, you know, I I remember, like, reading, like, oh, you know, the unions won won a massive victory where they were now... Had like 10 hour work days for example. <laughs> or, like, you know, Saturday used to be a work day Yeah. And yeah. then they only got that. That was like Saturday and Sunday you got off. So people were probably miserable. Yeah. Had like, probably lived maybe not the happiest lives. They didn't have money and stuff, but they were living out in the farm. They were chilling, doing <laughs> kind of like what they wanted to do. And then all of a sudden you're like working in a factory, like 12 hours a day. You got one day off a week. That would grind you down and you would have to drink a liter of gin a week, a day. I don't know. I was like, a week, probably more. (laughs) So then it's kind of like interesting that like, okay, then the response to that was, okay, we're not going to solve the underlying problem of people consuming all this alcohol. We're going to just like ban it and we're going to, but people are still going to be miserable. But
1: But I think it was because it was such a grassroots thing because it was people who were like, We can't change the structural issue. No, we have to solve the symptoms. But it's
0: so it's interesting that like so many years later that like, yeah, and we're going to get that a little bit later on. Yeah. And as you know, this is like a two part.
1: um, Yeah. Sorry. We're going on for so long. Two part. But
0: I think so. What we wanted to talk to you about, though, is there are there are ways around the wine monopoly. And wine monopoly, if you're listening, (laughs) close your ears. Yeah. (laughs) So the most legit way is duty free. Yeah. And this is a whole thing. It in is Norwegian society.
1: Such a thing. It's such a thing that one time I was traveling with some of my friends, and one of them, Morton, was Norwegian, partner of Angela, mm-hmm. and he saw that I didn't shop at duty free, and he was like, "That is your. That is Wait, sorry. your. Didn't no, you, this was before." I, anyway, we don't need to talk about that.
0: This was when I was in the workers' movement. (laughs) No. Fighting for prohibition in the 1890s. (laughs) (laughs) But he
1: was basically like, it is not only your privilege. It is your
0: duty to shop at duty
1: free. Yeah, he was like horrified. I'm
0: horrified and I wasn't even there.
1: I know. This was years ago. And and my friends used to use my quota.
0: Explain yourself.
1: I don't know. I didn't used to drink that much. I was like, you know.
0: Okay. I was just chilling. That's a fair enough answer. I'll accept that answer.
1: Yeah. But but people would use my quotas. Like if I travel with my friends, sometimes they would be like, Oh, I want to use your quota also for cigarettes. So let's yeah, get okay. to so, let's get to explaining okay. how. So works.
0: basically, Nora is not in the EU. Okay? Um it's in the EEA, but it is not in the customs union. If people okay. have been following the whole Brexit debate, they'll know the intricacies of customs union, EEA, single market, la da da. So they are in the single market, but they're not in the customs union, which means you can't just bring goods willy-nilly from the EU into Norway. They will charge you tolls. So, like, if we order anything from outside of Norway, we can get tolled on it. Not books, though. I understand they're toll-free. But for example, if I order like a pair of jeans from ASOS in Germany, that will have a toll. I'll need to pay that. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sure our British listeners are getting used to this lovely set up right now (laughs) but what it also means is that you have a duty-free allowance so you can bring alcohol from outside of Norway into Norway without paying duty on it and you can buy it I think this is kind of unique for Norway that you have a shop so when you land in the airport at Norway you have a duty-free shop on arrival that you buy while you're in Norway but duty-free which is kind of weird when you think about it
1: Yeah, it is funny.
0: Like, normally you buy your duty-free in your destination. And then they ask you, where are you flying? And then they tell you if you can get a duty-free or not. And then they check your boarding pass. Whereas in Norway, you actually get it when you land. Yeah. And there's, like, quite, like, complicated... I would, like, say very complicated sort of systems about how much you can buy. (laughs) But, like, every Norwegian has it, like, tattooed on their wrist. Like, they literally all know it off by heart. So I have it here. So you're allowed one bottle of spirits four bottles of wine or three liters and six cans of small beer. So 33 liters. And actually this allowance used to be way smaller. Yeah. And but, then, but only thanks to the blessed conservatives. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Arnasol. <laughs> uh,
1: no, but it wasn't even Arnasol. It was actually FOP. So even worse than, oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. And they hate foreigners. So
0: yeah, we cannot endorse. Or, or you don't want spirits, you can have, six bottles of wine and six small 33 silveter beers uh,
1: yeah and you can also like i was saying then um tobacco is also part of this quota so then you also can like bring in tobacco oh, and then that's part of yeah. it's a whole whatever I didn't
0: even add in the tobacco just it's
1: so I complicated it's so complicated and there's actually an app that i downloaded where you can input what you want to buy and then figure out like can i actually buy this there's like
0: there's often like i when you land in a norwegian airport there's like a panic because it's like oh yeah oh my god because you need your boarding pass because they in order to be able to get your allowance (laughs) they have to scan your boarding pass in the machine and if you don't have your boarding pass you can't get your allowance and so i remember one time being on a flight to norway like before i lived here and this woman was panicking on the plane, like <laughs> screaming about her porting pass. I was like, what is wrong with this woman? And then like Alex was like, she needs to, to get the drink. <laughs> <laughs> and she got it, thank God.
1: Thank God.
0: Yeah. Poor woman. I can't even imagine. But yeah, but obviously that has been completely decimated this year and no one can get Judy free anymore because no one's traveling. Oh my God. But I, and actually one thing <laughs> as well is, um, but we might want to do a whole extra episode on this, but it's party too.
1: Oh my God, we can't even get into that today. But yeah. yeah, but that's basically driving
0: over the border into Sweden, picking up your booze, driving back, where you have the same limits. But you also have limits for like, what? Sweets. Meat. Beer. Oh, sorry, meat. Ew, the way you said... <laughs> <laughs> meat. So.
1: Um, God, I feel like we, maybe we should, we should end this episode yeah. here. So
0: I think, yeah, we've talked about what is it. Like how does it work? What's the history? What is, history, what yeah. is going on? What we're gonna talk about next time is: Does it work? Should it work? We're like we're gonna get into the philosophy. Yeah. We're gonna make. Well, maybe we should try and do a GoFundMe for that ten thousand kroners. Yeah. Honestly, we need it. We'll post it on our Wikipedia. Yeah.
1: Before we before we go though, I have one fun historical anecdote that I forgot to share. Yes. Which is that there used to be a law in Norway that you had to brew beer at Christmas. It was actually illegal not to brew beer at Christmas. Sorry, what? Yeah. So uh, way back when, in the 12th century or something like that, so a while ago, uh, Norway is divided into several regions. Um, and I should also say that this comes from Garshul blog. By Lars, literally. There's no, there's no like even name <laughs> At on least here. least it's
0: not from the Veen website. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So we trust, we trust this more. I don't. Sorry, Lars. Your last name isn't on here, so I can't really credit you. But anyway, according to Lars, um, there Norway was divided into several regions, and each had their own assembly known as a ting. And the reason this is interesting is a ting. Yes, because this reason this is interesting is that Western Norway, its assembly was called the Gula Ting. And law decided there was the Gulating Law. And the reason that we f- would find this interesting is because there's a store in Oslo called Gulating. And I always thought that it meant like gold something. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, because- it's probably at least I assume because of this law. And I will tell you now. Uh, the law says, Yet another beer brew we are required to make, man and wife, from equal amounts of malts, and to bless it Christmas night and thanks to Christ and St. Mary for a good year and peace. If it is not done, three marks must be paid to the bishop. But if someone sits three winters without doing so or cannot pay the fees that we have added for our religion, and this can be proven, then he has forfeited every penny of his worth. The king shall have half and the bishop the other half, but he may confess his sins and make church penance and stay in Norway. If he will not, he shall leave the realm of our king. Oh my god,
0: exiled. Yeah. For not brewing beer. Yeah, How and so things have changed, eh?
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. So people were required to brew beer before All Saints so Day. Why? Yes, seems weird, right? And this, the historical interpretation, I haven't done enough research, I don't know if this is true, but the historical interpretation is that they were trying to make people Christian. Because this was kind of, like, the period of transition. Yeah. And you'll notice that in the law, it specifically says, like, it's for Christ, it's for Christmas, it's for St. Mary. Yeah. And so the idea being that they were taking some kind of, like, beer-brewing Yule tradition and making it a Christian thing.
0: I see. But yeah. That reminds me, I remember reading a book about, um, like, ancient England. Mm. And there it was it was mandatory for every man to practice archery and like he, every man like must own a bow and just yeah. uh, like have arrows and all this kind of stuff. And actually the book that it was in, sorry, the book was not about ancient England. It was about ash and how important the ash tree was and how many things were made of oh. ash. And so the, um, like the arrow, mm. whatever those things are called were made from ash. And, and also maybe the, the bow, because in the way, Ash is kind of bent, like, it has flexibility in it. Yeah. But obviously that was because England might need to go to war at any minute. Right. So they had to have, like, people that were trained up in archery. But you could get a fine for not owning a bow and being able to, like, do your archery or whatever. The beer thing, though. I mean, could it be to do with, like, them wanting people to drink? Because in the way, the only way to, like, purify water back in the day was... To ferment
1: it. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if there's some... Originally, if there's some connection to that. Because yeah. I know in medieval times, a lot of people drank watered-down beer. Um, but yeah, it says that King Hokon the Good was the one who made this law. Made it law that Christmas Sorry. should start at the same time as for the Christians, and every man should brew from one measure of malts or else pay fees. And what's also funny about this is this guy says that actually there were people even in living memory in into the 19th and 20th centuries, who kind of still believed this, or to some extent, like had this tradition and sort of joked about like, oh, it's the law that we have to brew beer at Christmas. Like, Grine,
0: you're not gonna get exiled if you don't.
1: Yeah, no, beer. literally. Um, it says, so it says, in the 1950s, Norwegian ethnographic research sent out a questionnaire on farmhouse Brewing. In the far north of Norway, one response refers to a 92 year old man from Kolfjord in Troms who said that people in that village before his time had distilled liquor and that the law had required them to do so.
0: Wow. So
1: that was like the pre-Vimonopola tyranny.
0: Truly. Yeah. The opposite. The tables have turned. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.